Hello, welcome to a brand new special episode, surprise episode, of the Shellheads podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Sergio. Uh, my co-host, or other host, is here t- uh, as well. Jeff, Jeff, how's it going? It's going quite well. I thought I was still other Sergio. No, you're the host, the other host. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm host A, you're host one. Okay, <laughs> This is a special episode uh, because we are talking to uh, the writer of the, the 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 recently completed, and by recently I mean within the past 48 hours, completed uh, TMNT Urban Legends, or what fans from the 90s call uh, TMNT Volume 3, Mr. Gary Carlson. How, uh, welcome to Shellheads. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, I, I, we're really excited to talk to you uh, because – the volume three run has always kind of had some had a mystery behind it, a little a mystique to it, uh, being as it's not obviously not made for children, not made for cartoons, nope. and also it breaks so far away from the, the the regular continuity and and just the the original Mirage stuff. Uh, and I just I just want to pick your brain on what went into putting volume three together. Sure. Cool. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, uh, how familiar, Jeff, how familiar are you with Volume Three? So I'm I'm going to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> in growing up, I was more of a media kid. Like I I uh, I, I consumed television, video games, movies, um, some comics here and there, but I wasn't too aware of you know a lot of the comics growing up. And then I want to say I'd seen a couple of issues of. Uh, of this run on the shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I was like in a different phase at that point. Um, yeah. But I quickly managed to kind of like round up <laughs> what I could find. <laughs> and um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I I kind of like rushed. <laughs> I almost got through all 26 issues in five hours. Wow. I was close. I got through about 15. <laughs> well, it's it's got an exciting conclusion when, when you get there. Uh, I, I, well, I I just skimmed, finished. I skimmed the rest. I was like, okay, yeah. you know. So, um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, I kicked myself for not getting the original run, but I, I'm still gonna track it down. Cool, cool. Well, with that said, um, Gary, to, to to give our listeners a better uh, understanding of of where you come from and 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 how exactly you 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 got your your mitts on the Ninja Turtles. Uh, what, what what got you started in uh, comic writing? I uh, <laughs> I decided to be a comic book writer. Before that, I mean, I have wanted to be a cartoonist since probably age five or six. I mean, I've been reading comics since then. I mean, I was you know, I've I've been reading comics since '62, and a lot of DC stuff, and and I I grew up on that, and. Uh, just kind of all along figured I was going to be a cartoonist and that's kind of how it went. I mean, high school, uh, junior high, even into college on the, the newspapers, I was doing cartoons and comic strips. I, I went off to, uh, Columbia college in Chicago and I started off, uh, majoring in animation for the first year. And it just, it's, Tons of work. I was also working almost, well, 30 hours a week and then going to school full time. And Oh, wow. 
Yeah, and a- animation that just you know twelve frames. It, it was real life cell animation. So twelve twelve frames per second. Uh, you know, I mean, in the first projects were you know an eight second uh, the countdown ten nine eight seven six five four three that so you know hundred hundred fifty two hundred cells. I had my wife and everybody I knew painting cells for me and whatever and after the first semester i thought okay this this isn't gonna work the way it's going now and i switched over more toward uh um real cartooning i mean there were cartooning classes there and um that sort of thing so i mean that's what i was doing i uh working full-time going to school and uh, you know doing doing uh illustration and and whatever and uh I got within, I don't know, four weeks of graduating and I won a scholarship. Um, John Fischetti was a political cartoonist in Chicago and he had recently died and they wanted to start a scholarship in his name and they wanted to give it to a political cartoonist for the first one. And I was as close as they had because I had done some political cartoons. So surprise i won and i was the 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 prize was a tuition paid master's degree so i was stuck for another two years (laughs) of college and working full-time and whatever so um that's kind of what was going on there i i had a i had met a friend named chris ecker and we were working on comic strips outside of there i was busy with school projects and whatever and work and whatever and he had the time to actually draw. So we started collaborating on some comic strips and we had one, I mean, uh, that we sent off uh, uh, called Scrimshaw that we sent off to the, it was the LA Times Syndicate, I believe, and they held on to it. They liked it, they asked for more. And this was after a year and a half of my master's program. At, At the master's program, they told me all I had left to do was, you know, oh, now just come up with 40 or 50 cartoons and we'll have a show and uh, and I said, geez, I haven't, you haven't let me draw for two years. You've had me taking all this other stuff. And we had this comic strip sitting at the LA Times. And I told him, I said, I'm just taking the time off. If we sell a comic strip, that's what I'm doing. And if not, then, you know, I'll come back and finish up next semester. So, uh, yeah, long story short, the LA Times didn't buy our strip. I think they also, they also passed on Rose's Rose or something, I believe at that time and they went with a lone ranger comic strip i think so uh and that that was just a little bit it, it bummed me out um we had you know we were thinking geez we're there we're going to be syndicated and i just had a hard time getting my head around more comic strips and i said well time to maybe do some comic books i mean the, the comic conventions had started up and i was going and i was meeting all kinds of guys that were much better artists than me who couldn't get work from DC and Marvel. I mean, and that was basically what was around Mm -hmm. at that point. You know, they just weren't hiring. I I met Mike Gustavich and uh, so many people and and Gustavich, (laughs) you know, they were looking, you know, to do samples and and get work out there. And I I offered, you know, to pay, I paid um, poverty wages, but they were happy to, to do something different. So, Mike Gustavich agreed to do a story, so I 
I dug out, you know, some of my old sketches and thoughts and sent him one. And I contacted uh, Butch Geis. I'd seen some work by him in the Comics Buyer's Guide, and he agreed to do a story. And um, Dan Reed, who had been working in the uh, Charlton, uh, maybe Charlton Bullseye, whatever their books were, and I just lined up a bunch of guys. My, my idea was to create a comic book company. I had about eight characters, eight different characters, uh-huh. and I put it out as a book called Megaton, and uh, that was my plan. Like I said, there were about seven or eight different characters, and I had hoped at some point, you know, I, I went with guys. That, I mean, it wasn't a fanzine. People were doing fanzines still then, but I was trying to do professional-looking stuff, and so I hired the, the best guys that I could, you know, that were willing to work, and... Uh, uh that's how I got into comics. Mike Gustavich said yes, so I had to come up with <laughs> a story for him and then for the other seven guys in there. And uh one of them was Eric Larson who was in the first issue and Ooh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know I, she it, got it, Jeff's it, attention. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it took, you know, a year to put this first issue together with eight different guys and people that weren't all varying degrees of professionalism you know butch guys was working on something else and it was slow going there and their one story came in and it just wasn't what i wanted i had to have that one redone and that with that one i went to uh ken landgraf who had published at that point had land graphics and was putting out some magazines of his own so um so anyway that's how i got into comics i started a, a book called Megaton that was hopefully uh, the beginning of a comic book company. The plan right off the bat was to spin it off into at least, you know, three or four other books. Yeah. Uh, characters, I mean, Megaton was the main character. Uh, Berserker was the second one. There was a, a wizard. It, the, the actual series was called Wizards of War. Character named Kevin Prentice that was a bit of a Harry Pottery kind of a thing, and, and a character called the Crusader, who is a Batman type character, and uh, so anyway, like I said, they were all you know. Uh, but by the end, first issue, guys were all of a sudden other companies were popping up, and guys were turning pro, you know. So yeah, it's forever looking for new artists. I mean, Butch was gone; he was off. Eventually, I mean, Southern Knights, and then off to Micronauts, I believe it was, and. Um, so the second issue, uh, Clark Howbaker was aboard to do the Megaton story for number two, and he was gone by issue three. <laughs> wow, and, it's like you, it's like it was a little springboard. Oh, it was, yeah. I mean, people they they got their samples and went off, you know, to better paying jobs. I mean, that was the one thing I hadn't considered. The one guy. One guy that stuck around for four issues was Eric Larson, and he was so plugged in, I figured he would be the first guy gone. He could write, he could draw, he had mm-hmm. ideas and plans, and had had published his uh, graphic fantasy book, and and he stuck around for. If I had just done a book that he drew, we could have just cranked out any number of comics, you know. I mean, right. that was my big mistake, but we did. You know, it took two years to get the second book out, and then after that. We started to get on schedule, and Angel Medina came in, and he did Megaton in four, five, and six, and 
in, in that time period, Rob Liefeld came aboard and he did a backup story and we were set to publish Youngblood at the very end. Uh, it was scheduled, it was, uh, uh, we, you know, it was scheduled as Megaton special number one or something and solicited. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point by 87, we had just not um, solidified ourselves enough with people, you know, um, and so while I had we had big plans of expanding, we were calling it the Megaton Explosion, and uh, that was <laughs> a, a Megaton book, you know, a Color Vanguard book. We were doing uh, Grass Green's Wild Man book. There was a book called Ram. That was one of the other books. There was going to be a Christmas special, and then uh, Megaton special number one was Youngblood. I thought, man, if people want something, it was pretty nice looking stuff, you know, Teen Titans slash. Uh, Legion of Superheroes type stuff, but I mean, we had orders for, by the, you know, I think the first issue, Megaton, I think we were at 10 or 12,000 copies, which was pretty good, and by 1987, we were at like six, 700, because the black and white explosion, there were so many books out there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it and just so kind of flooded the market. Think to remember, it wasn't like Diamond, where diamond you know there's one listing i mean there were at that point there were seven or eight to ten distributors you sent them all flyers and they all um, solicited from their own stores and distributors were going out of business it it was a a weird time it was tough and it was i was very happy to quit (laughs) banging my head against the wall in 1987 and took took about five years off to just recover and, oh wow! Uh, during those five years, uh, I mean Eric Larson and and Rob Liefeld and Butch Geis and uh, Clark Howbaker, all those guys, Dan Reed, they all went on. Not all of them, but I mean, so many of them went on to Marvel and DC. I mean, Rob and Eric both became big names, and in '92 or whenever, when they left to start uh, Image Comics. I was briefly famous as, oh, they were both, you know, Dragon was in Megaton, um, two, three, and four, I believe. And, and um, Rob Liefeld had a inside front cover on one and a backup story. And I think it was number eight. And plus, we were going to publish the original Youngblood back then. And, but it, like I said, the sales weren't. So it, I was briefly famous as, oh, you know, I think Rob called me the grandfather of Image Comics or something. And, um, <laughs> you know, so at, at that point, I, uh, Caliber Press in Detroit uh, asked if I wanted to write something. And I was going to do the Vanguard character. I was going to do a book. But with Image starting and Eric had co-created the character, he asked if we could do that book at at Image. So I said, okay. So I took Berserker over to Caliber Press. And uh, the the backup in Berserker was a concept we called Big Bang Comics, retro comics, that uh, that was one of the first things we pitched and they didn't think people would go for it, you know. And then when uh, Alan Moore's 1963 came out, they were like, oh, I get it. You're doing retro comics. So... A Big Bang spun off onto its own, and I've been doing uh, Big Bang pretty much consistently since the, the early '90s w- with my pal Chris Ecker. So, oh. so that's 
okay, that's who I am. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh no, no, like that's that's ex- that's exactly what we were looking for because I, I I knew that you had you you had, had like influence with uh like early early uh, image stuff. I did. I did. I guess I should have read your Wikipedia or something, or done some. But but I figured getting the story directly from, you know, from you would be sure. the most accurate. Uh, but knowing that that you were around, published self-publishing, well before Image was a thing, oh, is yeah. it's is super impressive. And the 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 just the caliber of names that came out of there was is that that's that's crazy to think that that was a little incubator for, for future talent. Yeah. A lot of people came through there, you know, um, it, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. I mean, yeah, that's really what Megaton's known for more so than for the characters as the, uh, the artists, um, who, who came through, you know, and got their start or, or early work there. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. That's really awesome. Um, um so I would imagine, uh, Gary, that it's kind of hard to track down those old issues. I just go down the basement. I got some. In oh. boxes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they are. I mean, I, my, someone was telling me the other day that uh, I don't know if it's Megaton one that they saw for 350 bucks or, or something. Wow. I don't know. I mean, it's stupid. I mean, I still have. On the Big Bang website, if you go in and look at the back issues, I there, I don't know if they're still there. They've been there. I mean, a couple issues of Megaton that I sell for five bucks a piece. <laughs> I think Rob must have done an interview and mentioned it not too long ago because you know every week doesn't go by now where I don't ship out. I guess it's issue two, six, seven, and eight. You know, someone will for twenty. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll get an order and I'll send them out. And it's it, it's it's really funny that you say he probably did an interview because because I, I you know in 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 the digital age when you know you point out to something give something attention it's automatically going to get the the ar- the archives stirring. Um, J- Jeff and I did an episode of a few about a month ago about a short wave or not short wave, short lived dream wave run <laughs> of Ninja Turtles. And when we recorded the episode, the books were selling for like seven bucks on Amazon. Yeah. A week later when we checked, how much was it, Jeff? It was like 300 bucks or a hundred and oh, something like that. Like the, like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm, what? I'm not saying I'm, I'm not taking credit for that. Well, it but, didn't hurt. Yeah. But it sure didn't hurt. Exactly. So, so I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Well, that's the funny thing. I got an order through the Big Bang website <laughs> from Rob. He was looking to buy a couple issues of of Megaton Eight, which he had done the, the backup story in. And I, I sent him a note and I said, "Hey, I said, number one, anyone that works in the books doesn't have to buy them, and especially <laughs> if it's a book with your stuff in, you don't have to buy them." I said, "Let me know how many." you need and anything else and i'll send it along so we rekindled our relationship a little bit right there that's really cool yeah that's nice <laughs> yeah uh so so i've 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 i'm not going to assume but i would i would imagine that all of what you just told me about the history of of, of megaton kind of informs you being asked to take the turtles over uh, once Mirage said, 
we're going to take a break. Uh, can, just, can you can you kind of bridge the gap there some just to, yeah, to, to, a little bit like I said they started Image Comics and everybody had their own everybody had their own uh, imprint and Eric Larson was doing Savage Dragon and he had other books planned uh, Freak Force and uh, Kill Cat I believe and like I said he asked me to to come there and and do a Vanguard book at Image so we did six issues of Vanguard which didn't go right. Um, I, I think it was the original artist didn't work out on it, and then just replacing the artist on number two, he went with the idea of a different artist in every issue, which just, oh, no. yeah, that just doesn't seem to work, <laughs> you know? So after issue six, we we gave it up because, you know, I mean, the art's all over the place and whatever. And so we stopped that, and I, I don't know, couple years two years later i think we did a four issue miniseries with you know one artist all the way through it and uh yeah somewhere in there i mean when he first when eric first started i believe he had the turtles guest starring in an issue and uh i i assume that eastman and laird liked what he did they had at that point they were talking about um shutting down mirage i like i said this is all hearsay for me but but that, that's that's what I thought it was. I mean, I you know at that point, you know the TV show was going. I I'm not. I imagine the movies were out and stuff, and that's what people expected the turtles to be. And they, I believe they they approached Eric and asked if he wanted to, you know, publish a, a new series of them that they were going to stop. And he t- told them, you know, he was already doing a monthly book, so. He asked uh, myself and Frank Fosco, who was from the Megaton days, if we wanted to do it. So, sure, we were working through him and channeling all the ideas through Mirage Studios and Peter Laird. Everything we did, I sent to Peter and got it okayed or, you know, made whatever suggestions there were. And then we went with it, you know. Yeah, yeah, Eric had his input too, you know, and the main thing, you know, I went out and I picked up all the back issues of uh, Turtles, you know, that had been out at that point to take a look and to see where to to go. I mean, how to approach it. They didn't want to do the cartoon. They pretty much wanted it to go back to the beginning. I mean, you know, the first whatever was it, 10 issues, whatever was. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, Ronan and and uh, Daredevil and and stuff. So we went back to that, and I think I locked onto the City at War and one other storyline that they did. I basically looked at at Eastman and Laird stuff. I read all the other stuff, but for the most part, I zoomed in on those particular storylines, and that was how I I set. Uh, the feeling and, and pace of, of our issues in that direction. Um, yes, yes. You, your, your volume does feel very much like a sequel to City at War. Yes, that's exactly what I was aiming for. Like I said, it was, it, you know, the, the main thing was it don't do it like the cartoons. Don't do it, you know, like the movies, you know, get back t- to basics. So, that's what we did, everybody, you know, it, which didn't go over well. I mean, it, it was very popular 
with kids. I mean, we'd go to comic shops for signing and people would be there with kids. And I'd be like, you know, this really isn't a kid's book. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd warn people and be like, oh, that's OK. It's like, uh, but yeah, I mean, they'll appreciate it someday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it, we were it just, you know, the mainstream turtle readership back then was put off by it because it was so far away from, you know, the, what was popular in that, you know. And, you know, they just say, oh, it's, you know, an image is doing an image version of it. And it's like, that really wasn't the case. I mean, it was just, I mean, I figured, geez, you know, they, uh, um, these guys are fighting with knives and swords. They're going to get injured and whatever. You know, I we took the storylines on, you know, like I said, from a, a certain point. And uh, um, it, that was just pretty much how we did it. I mean, the, what really defined it. It was going to be in color, and the initial orders came in on the first one, and they were disappointed with that, and it wasn't going to be color. It was going to be black and white, so um, Eric said, "We've got to, I want to do something so you can tell which turtle is which, because, uh, you know, the cartoons, it was, you know, a red mask, an orange mask, a blue mask, and a purple mask, and we had already, we knew we weren't going to do that, and they have them all just with uh, the red masks on, uh, and especially in black and white, wasn't going to work. So that's where we started the, the stuff that really aggravated some people with some of the injuries and stuff. I think the first issue, um, Leo's face got blasted a little bit, you know, and <laughs> Donatello <laughs> ended up being dropped out of a helicopter and pretty well shattered up, but uh, one of the one of the villains that was with him was covered with some uh, alien um, robotics kind of climbed on him. And so, I mean, that's, you know, we ended up with a, a cyborg Donatello and um, Leonardo lost a hand in a fight somewhere. And uh, uh, Leo's face was burned off and he ended up wearing uh, one of the hockey masks just to kind of cover that. And, yeah. Yeah. And uh, when, when, <laughs> when, when I, when I talk about volume three to, to people who are not unaware of it, because a, a lot of people just don't know that it, it ever existed. Yep. Uh, you know, I described it as like, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. Donatello becomes a cyborg. Leonardo loses a hand and, and, you know, usually their eyes light up and they're like, really? <laughs> Like how'd they get away with that? And, and, and actually that's one of my questions is you, you mentioned Peter Laird and he was it, at least later on after this, but he was, he was very protective of the turtles uh, specifically yeah. in the volume four days. I don't, I don't know if this goes as far back as volume one, but how, how was it working with him and he, the Mirage crew? It was easy. I just, gosh, that was so long ago. We faxed. <laughs> you know i would fax the stuff to him and um he'd offer some suggestions or changes he was very easy to work with and you know i mean there was never much of a there was i don't i can't really remember anything where oh don't do that or you know you can't the the one thing there was, was no female turtles that was the the one <laughs> mantra, you know, no female turtles, which we we dropped one in on an issue just as a joke in two panels. 
uh, <laughs> for for fun, you know. And uh, but but that was pretty much it. I mean, in fact, you know, they were he was looking to shake things up. His suggestion for issue one was to start off with with uh, Splinter dying or being killed or something. Oh wow. Well, you know, that way they'd have to grow up and whatever. And we opted not to go with that. I think that <laughs> there would have been death threats, I think, if we had done that. But, I mean, that's kind of why he was kind of written out and got mutated again and turned into a bat and disappeared just to leave the guys alone. But, I mean, that was that was a suggestion, and we, we decided not to go with that with all the other stuff going on to, physically to the turtles. So. Right. right. No, work, working with Peter was great. He was, you know, he was very helpful and, and, and it was easy. We sent the stuff to him, but send it to Eric and then we turn around and do an issue and, you know, it'd go back through everybody. I, I don't remember any real changes, you know, the stuff coming back and, you know, oh, man, you got to redo this and that. So I, it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty nice time. I mean, it was fun and pleasant to work with and whatever like you said it was weird going to shows because <laughs> you know i mean we were even at, at that time we knew we were kind of the um the third wheel or the you know weird relative or stuff because the fans <laughs> the black sheep <laughs> yeah the black that's it you know like what are you guys doing i mean there were fans that enjoyed it and uh like i said uh it, it, they were just a lot of there were so many people into the, the cartoons and we were as far away as the cartoons we could get. And that was intentional. The intent was to show people that it wasn't a stupid cartoon, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of the, the whole point of coming there to, to image to do it and to go in the direction we did. So so we did. And yeah, and it was weird because, yeah, we all along. I mean, we've always heard how violent and such we were and it was like eh, we were just kind of just kind of doing the thing you know so <laughs> uh w- one thing about uh that run that really impresses me is it's the first time in pretty much any turtles anything that we got significant chunks of the story where the turtles were not operating as a unit yeah uh, the, the turtles were set, some of them. What was it? Chicago that they visited for a while. Yep. There were other characters brought in from other image books. Well, uh, that's, I mean, yeah, Eric, was that a conscious thing or did, is that just where the story went? Well, you know, like I said, they had they had liked what Eric had done. The turtles guest starred in one of the very first Savage Dragon issues. So it just kind of made sense to have something go back where they could meet up again with him. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Uh, plus, it was Eric's uh, Eric's imprint, you know. So we put, you know, some of his characters in there. We worked my Vanguard storyline in there. At that point, Vanguard had been stopped, but had a, a villain. Um, what was he? Was that Death Watch? I mean, and then he was part of the storyline there in tw- like twelve, thirteen, and fourteen, I believe. So because he would have been in a later issue of Vanguard. So we tied it in into the storyline there. And I think uh, number nine, we had the night watchman from big bang comics was in there. 
Um, right, yeah, it was right. just, uh, yeah, it was pretty much, you know, characters from Eric's imprint. I mean, uh, early on at Image, the idea was that the, 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 the company was wide open. All the characters were going to uh, guest star in different places, and that they backed off of that fairly quickly where <laughs> you couldn't just do it. There had to be permission and... Um, yeah, it just wasn't <laughs> going to be the way it was. But early on, yeah, yeah, the characters would drop in, drop out, and um, yeah, we were just having fun. Yeah, we were hopefully pushing. I mean, the uh, issue nine with the Night Watchmen, and in issue ten of Big Bang Comics, the turtles are in a story in there. It's not exactly a crossover, but um. When it, when they meet up with the Night Watchman in number nine, and he pulls off the mask and he says, "Hey, I met you guys before." I mean, that was in uh, Big Bang number ten. I mean, that yeah, was, yeah, I, I have that issue somewhere, and it's been a very, very long time since I've read it. It's done in very uh, Frank Millery Daredevil style, you know. <laughs> it was fun. We were just trying to kind of have fun and doing uh, comics. <laughs> <laughs> well if, if if i can jump in here because i've been kind of quiet um uh as someone who didn't get to read these when they originally came out because i'd heard I was like oh these are really edgy and stuff and i was like at a weird moment then but jumping into a huge chunk of reading them today i have no problem with it whatsoever like no gripes or anything i thoroughly just latched on to that to the back of that train and enjoyed the ride like here i was like this is really cool i was like you got the mannerisms down you know of the brothers you know them joking around and i love that and then uh you know mikey going crazy for the babes that was hilarious yeah um and i absolutely loved seeing Raphael with like Casey's mask. Yeah. It was really, really cool. Well, and it's, he's the guy that would, would have it, right? I mean Oh yeah. And any any time any and Sergio and I have, have talked about this and not meaning to go back to the cartoon, but anytime turtles are in disguises, that's always fun. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's it. So yeah, that's I mean, you know, we were just uh mostly trying to have fun you know so uh as the closest you know as far as the cartoon i mean i had a my son was six seven eight years old then you know so i mean i watched the cartoons with him and the movies and whatever and it's you know leo is the leader and donatello does machines and mike was the party animal and yeah and that's i mean very vaguely i mean i stayed with that stuff in there, I mean, I, I always seem to have Leo and uh, Raphael bumping heads as far as who is the leader and who is right, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they all went their separate directions for, for the most part, and then they team up and when they needed to, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, and, and that's one, one thing I appreciate about this book is it doesn't feel like it has to rewrite anything it, it it it's like there's not an origin story in 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 these these books there's not uh you just take 
the, the, the skeletal structure of what the Ninja Turtles are and you build a story out of it that is entertaining by itself. Well, it's, not inter- it's not entertaining because of anything that comes before it. It's entertaining because of what it is. Well, thanks. I mean, that's, you know, kind of what we were aiming at. So, and uh, yeah, I mean, even, I mean, when I was doing it, I mean, I don't I mean to knock anything, but I mean, when we were first approached um, to do it, I mean, I was like, okay, I, you know, I had read the first couple issues of Turtles and like you said, was familiar with it from watching stuff with my son, but hadn't been a regular reader of any of the books, you know? Yeah. Uh, so okay, so so let's uh, let's do this. The the book ends at issue what twenty three, twenty three. Yes. And that was in a, around nineteen ninety nine. Uh, the turtles were at an all time low, I guess would be the worst I way to put it. So I I mean you know from like issue fifteen or sixteen on, we knew sales were dropping, and I think we were kind of expecting. Every issue could have been the last, you know? Oh, wow. Wow. And I, it was messing with Frank. I mean, he was taking longer to get them done because we just we knew the end was near, you know, and it just kept sort of dragging out. So we just kept doing them, you know, and then, yeah, all of a sudden <laughs> that was the last one. And it was kind of a an, enough of a stopping point, you know, so. Right, so, right. So it was done and that was it, you know, so. What's funny is is you say it was a stopping point, but a character is introduced very late in the run that it's not revealed during that run who it is, and that's Lady Shredder. Right. And for 20 years, you know, because the <laughs> book ended in 1999, 20 years, fans have have had the you know the the, the, op, the opportunity to just kind of argue who is it? Is it Karai? Is it is it Tang Shin? Is it this person? Is it that person? And finally, uh, IDW announces what two or two uh, at this point, it's about two and a half years ago. Hey, we're we're reprinting volume three. And guess what? We're going to finish it. We've got the original creative team back and they're going to finish out the the, the story with three final issues. Uh, And and that's, I guess, where you come back in. Uh, Pretty much. Actually, I think it it starts earlier than that. It starts with those two. Oh, the fan, fan books. Issues 25 and 26 that are 24 and 25 that Andrew Modine put out. He, uh, you know, a lot of the credit goes to him. He said it it should have had an ending. And if they weren't <laughs> going to do it, he was. And he, you know, contacted me and I gave him, I said, no, oh, we were going to try to tie up this and this and this and this. And he went and uh, worked up an issue and, you know, had it drawn and Frank did covers or or whatever and he put it out and it was like oh that was cool it was it was fun you know wasn't necessarily what we would have done but uh it was fun it was fun to know there were some fans out there that didn't hate our run you know (laughs) because a lot of what we heard was like so uh, it was fun oh i know what i was going to say before was that yeah, I mean, even when I was found out I was going to be doing it, I'd tell people, oh, I'm going to be writing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And people I knew in the industry would be like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, and even my friends, I mean, as I was doing the books, I would send them off to friends and they'd be like, oh, thanks, thanks. And it's like, yeah, 2002 or something after it was canceled, I'd hear from one or two of them saying, 
hey, I finally got around to reading them. They were a lot of fun. <laughs> it's like, oh, thank you, you know. <laughs> well, this could have helped, you know, four years yeah. ago when, you know, I was employed yeah. doing that. <laughs> That's it, you know, so so that it was weird. I, it, like I said, we just we knew the end was coming. We knew it was a hard sell at that point anyway. But, uh, yeah, we were doing the best we could and enjoying what we were doing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny that you mentioned Andrew Modine's work because he, he's very he's a, he's a talented man. He's done a lot of uh, Turtles fan work. Yep. Uh, and I, I've I've read both your ending and his ending. And th- there are some similarities there. Yep. But they are very different. Well, they are. And when when we got word that we were going to do an ending, I was like, well, we can't just go in and do his you know like i said i had sent him plot lines and stuff and his may have been closer to what would have happened in ours 20 years ago i don't know but i just took a quick look at what he had done and frank and i talked about what needed to be done you know and uh so we just kind of went our own way but at the same time andrew offered to go through it i sent him the the plots and the scripts and he offered some suggestions to tie it closer into the other continuity and that and made a few suggestions um and uh so yeah he he was a big help i think he was a a big part of of pointing our run out to other people you know i know kevin eastman liked our stuff and was you know urging idw to put it out i mean i'm sure it was like hey, there's 23 issues here all you got to do is print them you know <laughs> they opted to go in color which you know they bought paid for new covers from frank you know and uh and then yeah they said oh we'll do three new issues and finish it off so that that's what we did it was you know i mean they announced it two and a half however many years ago but it was another year or so before that or two years that they were talking about it and we were waiting and to see if if they were going to be reprinting them and if you know we were going to do anything new so um yeah it's it's been in the works for a while and and yeah and we've been done with it for a while so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i imagine especially with the the the, the pandemic putting yeah. everything on pause for a few months uh you had to wait even longer for it to come out a little bit yeah Gary, I want to know, like, how how long had you, originally had you had the the ending uh, for the last three books already done? In in essence, I mean, you kind of talked about that, but like, how long? Yeah, uh, I, it was never. Like I said, way back then, we kind of expected every issue was going to be the last one. Right. So I don't recall how far ahead we had totally planned. I mean, I there was stuff. We knew the storyline was going to go such a way, but they're like, oh, 23 is going to be the last one. So we just, you know, set it aside and didn't give it a lot of thought. I mean, and right. whatever, however many years later, I sent some, you know, some of the stuff anyway to Andrew Modine. And uh, when the time came, they said, oh, you're going to be doing new ones. I, I had to drag out my books. I went back and read them and made notes and say, OK, what? uh what haven't we tied up? What should we tie up? And we got most of it done, not all of it, but, uh, uh, and I wasn't, and I was looking to tie up our storyline and not kill myself trying to make it fit into any of the other continuity on that. I'm really not a, 
super reader of any of the other um, volumes of the Turtles. I mean, what they've done since and whatever, you know, to go in and try. I know that at one point, you know, Peter Laird said, well, we're just going to ignore it because it's too far outside of, of, of what we're going to do, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, we made a few a few changes to, you know, to make it easier to melt into the the, the continuity. But, uh, yeah, we just said, okay, this is what we were doing, and this is pretty much where we were going to go, and, and so we did it. I got you. Um, can you talk about some of your inspirations, like, like the cyborgs and, like, Lady – is it, is it pronounced Pimico? Uh, Pimico is – Amico, yeah. or sexy, che- or sexy cheeks. <laughs> that's it. I I don't know. I mean, a lot of that stuff. I just you know went on the computer and did research and and looked stuff up. Um, Was it like old sci-fi movies that would come on late at night? <laughs> no, not the, that's not that's not part of me really. You know what I mean? Um, right. Really, like I said, in the the the. the the issue of Big Bang that the Turtles guest starred in in issue 10, it's Galahad who is, you know, like our a variation of Robin, Batman and Robin, Night Watchman and Kid Galahad. Well, Galahad ended up, he was fighting with a lady, um, uh, a killer, you know, and, and she was called the headhunter and she was around. She was going after um, Shredder. She was kind of having an affair with him and waiting for the time to kill him. And um, Galahad ran afoul of her and they beat him up and dumped him in the sewer. He was dragged out of the sewer by the turtles and they looked like they're about five years old. <laughs> and they, they, they dragged Galahad over and he met up with, with Splinter there and they kind of healed him and talked. And then he went back out and caught up with uh, Headhunter and, Shredder and that, and, and Headhunter was basically uh, Pamiko's mother. I mean, it's not spelled out necessarily in, a, in a, the Turtle Run, but I mean that's mm. that's what the plan was there. She was having an affair with, or, or, or at least sleeping with with uh, Shredder mm-hmm. to get close to him. Mean, he basically, I don't remember if he broke her fingers or something, and then dumped her somewhere. But yeah, she went back and. Uh, gave birth to a to a daughter, and that would have been Pamiko, you know. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. That's really cool, though. So it, it that you know tied together, and again, we thought it was fun. It was nice, you know, continuity here and there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. The the the, the uh, now I, I want to be very careful not to spoil the new the three new issues. Right. Me, me, yeah. Me, me and Jeff talked yesterday about. Uh, what we can and can't spoil. And I was like, if the book is 20 years old, I'm comfortable spoiling it. If the book is six weeks old, I'm not as comfortable. Right. So I'm not going to talk directly about what's happened in the, in, in the new three, three issues. I strongly suggest people go and buy them. Yep. Uh, it is, it's a strong conclusion to a, to, to a, to a story that has kind of been pending for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to say just critically the decisions that you made behind the Lady Shredder character, okay, absolutely unpredictable. Well, that's good, and yet, like I said, if you go back and, and check in uh, the issues where Vanguard 
guessed it in like 12, 13, or 14, that's it, it, it. Well, and even in issues 11 and 10 and whatever with uh, in Chicago where they're dealing with the, the Death Watch character and mm-hmm. some of that other stuff. I mean, that's all referred to later on and whatever and 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 is part of it you know it was nice to be able to uh and just to tie up some loose ends you know even from that far back and uh and yeah thank you I, it does kind of come out of nowhere and it, it's good to hear that it doesn't you know people aren't going oh come on so yeah yeah because because there's always that oh I've, i'm i'm sure it was going to be this character and i that's another thing that i've been telling people is Nope. Whatever you're guessing, it definitely is not that. <laughs> you know, and and I I cannot promise you that it was always going to be exactly that way. But uh, when it came time to to tie it up, that's the way that made sense. You know, mm-hmm. if if there were too many people saying, "Oh, Lady Shredder, that's Karai, isn't it?" or this, then it's like, well, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, tw- yeah, 20 years to think of a, the, a, a way to subverse that plot. So congratulations. Well, I didn't spend 20 <laughs> years thinking about it. I, I got to say that. I mean, you know, we, when they said they were going to do the new ones, we took, you know, uh, two months or something and reread it and talked about it. And that was how we decided to go. So, yeah, I kind of skimmed, I kind of like skimmed, you know, those those three new issues. I was like, OK, well, it was like, oh, wow. Like it got me, it got me too. Like it, I was just like this, it was, it was really nice. It's really nice to not be able to predict, you know, where the stories are going to go or, or where, you know, Oh, I know this or that, or like, Oh, saw this coming. So it's extremely refreshing, especially in, you know, like it's not the Scooby-Doo villain of the week. Oh, we know <laughs> who that guy is. He was in the first, you know, the beginning of the episode, yep. you know? So that was that was that was fantastic. Oh, good. It's nice nice to have some, some feedback. I haven't really heard much from anybody on it. So. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm just kind of kind of gonna echo what I said earlier, and 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 kind of add these these three issues into that. And I can completely understand someone reading this entire 26 run, 26 issue run, and say, you know, I didn't like that. You know, just because yeah. it, it's it's different. It's it's. It's totally different from a lot of uh, turtle stuff. It, it, if you're expecting something for children, you're not going to get that. Uh, it, a, a lot of it does feel like a an action book from the mid '90s, which is fan like that's a fantastic era of comic books. So I don't I don't think you can read this 26 issue issue like arc and not respect it. Like, yeah. I, I understand not liking it, but it, it's, there's a lot of very bold creative decisions yeah. that you kind of have to respect the, the just the just the art of having the 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 gumption to be like, you, you know, we're going to put this on paper. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. We don't care. Yeah, that was pretty much it. You know. Yeah. So so I res- I absolutely respect the volume three run. Without a well, doubt. Thank, thank you, thank you. Yeah, we we enjoyed it. I I enjoyed it. And going back and reading through all of it, you know, to finish it up, I was like, <laughs> I you know, when we were doing it, I liked it. But going through it again, I thought, dang, I uh, I I liked reading it. You know, I I thought we had a lot of stuff going for it. So I'm gonna echo that sentiment. Thanks. 
Well, like I said, mostly I over the years we've we've heard negative stuff. I mean, and and mostly what you hear, it was an image book. I mean, blah blah blah. It's like yeah, it wasn't all guns <laughs> and this and that. I mean, you know, we were try. Like I said, I was basically aiming it at the 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 Eastman and Laird issues and not uh, ones that were done by anybody else at Mirage. So yeah, yeah, and I I definitely think you you achieved that goal. And as 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 a person who didn't read the original run and just read it over the course of a couple of days. Um, I, I, I have very minimal complaints, if any, like I just, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think people should give it, you know, uh, more credit and uh, more love that it definitely deserves. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks. You know, like I said, I, I enjoyed working on it. Um, took me a while when we very first started it, you know, to, read through all the other stuff and decide where we were going to go and and what to do and to try to do a you know kind of a straight action kind of a thing um but once we got going i mean it it was a lot of fun to do so okay who's your favorite turtle (laughs) jeff's favorite question (laughs) yeah and, and i don't know i mean i kind of enjoyed i mean I'd probably have to say Michelangelo. I mean, he became a writer. He was making out with Horatus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, I, I enjoyed what we did with all. Of I mean, it was fun to write them to where uh, I enjoyed what we did with Donatello. And I, I enjoyed what we did with, with Leo, you know. Um, if I had to say, I'd say Michelangelo. But uh it's tough. It's like saying, who's your favorite kid? So, Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, I, I completely understand that. Having kids, I can completely understand that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you might have a favorite, but you're stupid if you're going to tell. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He or she will never know. There you go. Well, Gary, we, we again, thank you for, for joining us today on, on Shellheads. Uh, this has been a, a informative conversation. I've learned some stuff today. Did, did, how about you, Jeff? I learned so much. <laughs> well, thank uh, and, you very much for having me. Oh, you are very welcome, and and more, even even more than thank you for being on the show. Thank you for your contributions to Turtle Lore, uh, because it, you know what they say: like the stories that you write, the stories you put out there will live much longer than you do. Oh yeah, I would imagine so. And and as unique of a story as this is, I, I feel like generations will be coming back to it over and over and saying check out how wild this is and <laughs> and so so it it, it holds a, a real special place in in my turtle fandom well great i'm glad you liked it thank you very much definitely mine as well um i did have one more quick question sure. okay um would you if you were approached to come back and do like more stuff even like if it was like a one shot or a special uh, say for you know for for idw um or do you would you like to do more uh with turtles yeah i would i mean i i've heard this and that and maybe there could be something else i i love working with frank fosco he's a great friend of mine mm-hmm. and with frank i mean i'd be willing you know to do anything we did we did that one short story that was in the uh whatever the the, the hardcover uh anthology before this started i think Mm-hmm. 
I don't know I if it was. I think I know what you're talking about. Was it the 30th anniversary or 20-something anniversary? It might have been even more than that, like, like, you know, 35th or 40th or something. But, yeah, we had a short story in there that kind of it didn't bridge the gap, but it took place, you know, between the stuff we did back then and got us going on the new stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, it's always it's always fun to work with Frank. It's always fun to work with these characters. If uh, they wanted us to do more, I'm up for it. The IDW was really great to work with, so it was a lot of fun. Well, that's fantastic. You heard it here, folks. Go and demand that. <laughs> Gary gets to come back and 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 work on some more books. <laughs> <laughs> as, as a spinoff book that's that's just Michelangelo and uh, and uh, what how do you pronounce it? Horatius. Her- Her- yeah, Hortus. yeah, yeah. Oh, like like going on a book tour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well let's wrap it up right there. Again, we thank you for joining us, uh, Gary, and we thank for uh, everyone for listening. Uh, go buy, go buy some, uh, go go to Big Bang Comics and buy some back issues <laughs> while they're, while they're still available. Yeah. 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 No turtles there. I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> Big Bangs and Megatons and a couple other things, I guess. That's so. still good stuff. All okay. right. Well, I'm Sergio. I'm Jeff. And we're Shellheads. Yeah. See you next time. Thanks a lot, guys. Don't miss an episode of the Shellheads podcast. Visit realitybreach.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts.